everybody's heard episode one now, right, John? Yes, sir. What the fuck are you guys talking about? That can't be true. We've only been out for a week. Everybody's heard episode one. All right, all right. Let me go check the numbers. It came out to be a really good product. Holy shit. You got like 100,000 hits. What the fuck? Wait till episode two comes out. Is this accurate? Yes, sir. No. Yes, sir. Well, shit. You guys want to do a podcast? We're off to the races. My eyes are red. I've been burning. I've been burning. Here's the reason why. My eyes are red. I've been Welcome to Magic and Hash. My name's Tim. You might know me from Aethercast or Tinder. My name is Thrusty Companion. And we have somebody with us from Cast from Exile. Howdy, homies. Swami Sid. Sid the Swami in the house. Magic and Hash is still a company, and Timmy's the boss. I'm a stunner like my daddy, and a stunner like my deck daddy, or former deck daddy, I should say, because he don't fund my online habits anymore. He likes slow walks through the mall on Saturdays, arguing in Korean. And his favorite card is Harmless Offering. How sweet. Once saved a homeless lesbian who was choking on her tongue, we have my boy and yours. John Holland. All of those things are 100% true. So how did you stop the choking on the tongue? Uh, true story. I was actually with my wife and, uh, we were at lunch downtown and we're walking back to our car and lo and behold, there's this like, uh, homeless girl on the ground and she's like out of her wheelchair and there's like just a bunch of dumb bitches standing around looking at her. And it's like, I go up to her and she was actually like, uh, choking on her tongue. So I had to like go in there and do a little thing where you sweep the tongue out of it and, you know, was kind of hanging with her until EMS got there and everything. And she had spina bifida too. And like her girlfriend was there and being a bitch. It was a good time. Jeez. A lot of problems going on there. Yeah. That's the best thing about uh, meeting people on the street. You can just walk away. She was probably mad because you were finger banging her girl's mouth, right? Oh my God. Well, I mean, you know how it is with homeless lesbians. I mean, there's just always so much drama. They're always afraid that, you know, like they're going to run away because the dick is around. Yeah, you know, I've actually put a lot of thought into this. Like, you know, I kind of have this fantasy about becoming homeless, you know, and I think that my hobo name would be Wingstop Kenny. And the best part about it is, is I really don't like Wingstop. So if anybody was looking for me, they'd go to Wingstop, but I wouldn't be there. I like that. Good old Wingstop Kenny. Anytime that you got wings, he's like, stop. Can I have one of those wings? And you're just like, wing stop, Kenny, get the hell out of here. If you were homeless, how would you play magic? Well, that's the thing. I'd be a hobo, so then I could, like, you know, trick people into, like, trading up. You know, like that shit you see on the internet where you start out with a paperclip and you wind up with a Ferrari. Steam vents? Yeah, you don't want that. You could have this lemon pepper wet in this island, dog. That's blue and red. I could see it happening. If you have enough yeah, ambition. I could see it. Everybody has to start somewhere. Totally see you working a long con on that too, man. 
I think you should just do it. Just do it to work the long con and then you could probably get like a collection started up for you or something or they'll like start a GoFundMe or a Patreon and they'll just give you all this free money and yeah, then you're just like, I yeah, could, I'm not really homeless. You could be like those people where they, you know, do crazy shit and write a book about it. You know, they hike the Appalachian Trail or like, you know, they try to live on minimum wage for a year and write a book. I could, I could see this. This could work out. You guys heard about what happened with Kent Ketter? He uh, got a rest in peace, casted against him. And what happened is he lifted up his graveyard with his hand and then his opponent went to go write life totals. And he put his uh, he put his graveyard back down because his opponent never really said anything concerning like a uh, trigger being on the stack, which you're supposed to announce your triggers. But that's not what Kent Ketter uh, implied by that. I guess he was just picking up his graveyard to look at it, but his opponent understood it to be that his trigger resolved. Uh, Ken Ketter convinced the judge to side with him also, and that's what the big hubbub is about, is that he got away with it. It's sketchy as hell, and you know, just kind of like a... I think that some of it is on the opponent. If, if I was the opponent, the way I would have played it is as soon as he lifted up his graveyard... And puts it back down. I mean, anytime an opponent, like a competitive REL, does anything like that, like picks up their library to fuck with it or their graveyard or anything like that, you should stop them right there and ask them what they're doing. And if you don't like the answer, call a judge. You are your own judge at the table. I mean, they can't really supply enough judges so that a judge can be at every table. Not everyone's televised, so you really have to watch your opponent for sure. I mean, if I was the judge in this situation... I honestly didn't watch the game. Um, I would be curious to know if uh, the person that controlled the rest in peace did anything else after uh, that all transpired. Because at that point, I would have to go with Kent. I mean, the guy missed his trigger. But if he was to, if it was still at the point where nothing could have happened except for the trigger resolving, or, you know, you could still say that the trigger's on the stack. Just be like, well, yeah, I haven't done anything. The trigger's on the stack right now. But the guy might have got a little bit in a hurry, which, you know, is a tough thing not to do when you're playing competitively because you are on a time limit, of course. But you need to, like, slow down a little bit sometimes because you can do punts, dude. Like, shit like this. This situation would never happen on MTGO. I've learned the value of, like, slowing down and being able to recognize what's going on because I, for one, I punt, like, fucking 4th and 26 on MTGO all the time because I get hurt. People pick up their library all the time to look at it, and if he casts a spell that affects your library, he could pick up his library to look to see what he's going to lose, to see if he wants to cast something instant speedy still kind of has some priority action or and if the other guy continues on without saying exile your graveyard it is kind of a missed trigger but kent ketter has been known for some shady stuff in the past on reddit a lot of people were bringing up a lot of other things that happened so he got released from team card hoarders they stated that they mutually agreed to go separate ways uh patrick chapin <laughs> is famous for his pin trick uh, the pin trick is something that he does that kind of will distract his opponent and it's kind of shady thing to do. It's fancy. So like, you know, at first of all, when you're getting fancy in a competitive event, you're fucking yourself in the long run because you want to play like, uh, as you would say, Timmy, the best deck, the best chance of getting yourself like the most value. But the fact is, is that cheating and gray area stuff like this has been a part of competitive magic as long as competitive magic has gone. The pen trick is like when 
you know, it's your opponent's turn or something, and you want them to pass priority into attacks right away. So you pick up your pen, and they're like, oh, it's safe to attack because he's about to write down that he's about to lose life. And then they swing, and you're like, no, I have an action. You put your pen down, and then you, you know, bounce his creature, kill his creature, blow him out, whatever. Equivalent of you're in the middle of a fist fight, and you, like, point over the guy's shoulder and say, hey, look over there. It's just so fucking cheap. With all the cheating that's going on, is it better to bring these high-profile tournaments online? I know that the Wicked Witch of MTG, a.k.a. Helen Barragut, <laughs> has said that that'll never happen. Because I feel like that's just not making the money that they want. Like, the fact is, is shit like this is controversial. Controversy equals cash. I don't think it's going anywhere, bro. MTGO versus paper cards. What do you guys think? I mean, you can... You can have a social life and go out and play cards with people. Or you can sit at home in your jammy jams and rock some drafts. So I started out in card shops. Um, I did not give a shit about Sega Genesis because magic cards were way better in every way. Um, I was able to make friends playing magic cards, which for me was kind of hard because I was like a weird kid, you know, growing up. Family did not have a lot of money. Magic cards were very expensive. People were beating me with expensive magic cards and shit all the time, but you like the people that you beat up with your magic card, and it was a way for me to get out of, you know, a messed up situation at home. So paper magic is, like, where my roots are. And that being said, since I've gotten into magic online, I'm starting to like paper magic less and less now. Let me ask you, Sid, why do you play magic online? Well, to me, the barrier to playing Paper Magic is being able to go to the shop and play with people. Like, yes, I play with my wife, the awesome Bella Muse. Go check her out on YouTube. It's just hard to find places where you can go play Magic during the day, unless it's on the weekends. MTGO, you know, allows me to play cards anytime I want. Personally, I'm a spike. So when I decide to build a deck... I'll build it on MTGO, and I'll build it in paper. And before I go out and play a paper deck at a tournament or something like that, I practice on MTGO. I get real fluid with it. I really get comfortable with the sideboard and stuff like that. And in the more social aspect of Magic, they do Friday Night Magic around here. That's draft. And I love doing that because that's a really social thing. And that's where I get to meet a lot of new players. I'm very friendly and social. I'm not like, get you, get you, Timmy. They change the price structure on MTGO. The events don't pay out in ticks anymore. They pay out in play points. You can't ever play conspiracy on MTGO either. There's well, just some uh, things that don't work on MTGO that work in paper. Some things are actually beneficial, though, like Popper. There's like a huge availability of cards online. I think that like we need to touch on like the negatives and the positives of both. So to start this off, I'm going to go with the positives. But the positives of paper cards is, yeah, you're meeting people. Uh, yes, you are getting to uh, play at a higher EV because the EV of paper cards is more than online stuff, especially now that they don't do actual ticks or treasure chests. Uh, what are some other positives that you guys can think about paper cards over MTGO? The cards are worth more. So when you accrue a, a modern deck or a legacy deck or something like that, it just builds value over time. Whereas on MTGO, they recycle that set, then your cards could drop in value 
nothing really maintains any value on MTGO. Well, also there's the uh, positive that... Uh, what are we talking about, guys? The real bonus is you can't get blowjobs playing MTGO. You got to get out there. You got to meet people. Speak for yourself. I, I actually will take that challenge. Yeah, it's there's not a lot of girl magic players, but it's better than none. Correct. So, all right, here's the positives of MTGO as I see it. We you get to play any kind of thing you want to play. It's not always 100% that you're going to be able to play anything anytime, but definitely more so than paper. The accessibility of it as far as the prices of the cards, it's a lot cheaper to buy decks on MTGO than it is in paper. What are some other positives of MTGO you guys can think of? Like you go down the shop and they have to wait around for, you know, in between rounds. It's an hour for a match where I could build a standard deck, hit tournament, and I could play 30 games in a night. Also... All the triggers happen automatically, so you don't have to watch your opponent to make sure they're not cheating. Yeah, for, for me, two big positives. One, and I know you actually like the way the payout is on MTGO. On MTGO, with a new system, you know, if you hit a streak and everybody hits a streak, you know, at least you're getting something, and that goes towards the ability to play more games, unlike on Paper Magic, where you're just fucked. You just walk away sad, and maybe you get a shitty 30-cent ring. I agree. If you buy into one of those flashback drafts and you basically win two, you could get another, get into another one for free or whatever. The availability of cards is always there. We got a GP happening in Dallas uh, this weekend coming up. There's about 12 shops here in San Antonio. There are some modern cards that you will not be able to find a physical copy of across all those shops because they're sold out. That's true. People used to be able to make ticks off tournaments, and they used to be able to almost go infinite. They could sit there and grind out tournaments and tournaments and tournaments and, and basically get money off MTGO. But MTGO wasn't, like, hurting because of that. They probably actually benefited from more games being played. Taking it and knocking it down to play points, that hurts the, the pro player. Before you jump into any more negatives, I forgot one positive about paper cards. He looks me right in the eye, and he starts to shove his fingers down my throat, and he says, I want you to vomit all over her face, and shoves his fingers down my throat. I vomit bagel and apple juice all over Ashley Fire's face, and they're like, cut, cut, we need a towel, why'd you puke on her? And Ashley's looking up at me, and she's got a bit of bagel in her false eyelash, and my vomit has just cut a track through her makeup, and she's grinning. Now, as it turns out, Rocco doesn't speak English very well, and he meant to say spit. I want you to spit all over her face, but he said vomit, so I did puke on her. She was very nice about it, and I was very apologetic. You're a sick man, Sid. Yeah, that was disgusting. There'll be none of that. I'm sorry. I love shuffling, man. Every day you're shuffling? Well, if it's a good day, for sure. Seeing your opponent, talking with them, joking. I mean, I'm a very social guy. I like that. Uh, When I go to a big competitive tournament, I try to joke with my opponent sometimes, and they're very stiff, you know, and uh, it's a completely different vibe than F&M, you know, but I mean... So you're... You're saying that your opponents are always very stiff? Well, after they talk to me, of course. Stop dressing like a slut. All right, Sid, you got to have another negative about MTGO. 
Oh, dude. Yeah, I don't want to get into my negatives just yet because, like, I don't want you guys to have to repeat anything that I've said, and I'm probably going to say a lot of shit about both. So I'll just save mine for last. I think MTGO Shuffler has a personal vendetta against me. Now, I think I've seen other people play and have decent land screw or land flood issues, but I really think there's something wrong. Like, if you don't pick the suggested amount of mana, you're like, well, I have a bunch of early green drops, so I'll put a couple more green in or whatever. You're going to be see no green. It's like they're punishing you. And uh, sometimes you're like, well, I could probably drop a land and go to 16 here. I have a very low curve. And then you just don't see any lands. But maybe other people have different experience. 15 lands in a row, like several games in a row, and you're like, I would never shuffle my deck like that. It's been better lately, but I used to have connectivity issues. It would log off. Or, like, I'd be in a draft and I'd pick a card and it'd pick a different card. Or I'd pick something and and then a few minutes later it'd be like, oh, it skipped through the next, like, two picks. And so I'd fill out tickets all the time and I was like, this is bullshit. But lately it seems like the servers are better. Maybe less people are playing MTGO. I don't know. Another thing I hate is that a simple click will pass through a turn. And uh, you can really... I would never pass through, like, uh, Planeswalker activation or like an attack phase or something like that by misclicking um, in real life because I would be able to be like, okay, obviously I just played Gideon and I'll uptick him. You know, um, every, you're at the fate of like a button or like a little little click. In paper cards, it's less of that by the book mentality. And then the last thing I hate about MTGO is that it's a chess clock. Okay, Tim... You are high. You are high as a kite. The chess clock is one of the best things, especially against control players. And I'll I'll say this. I think it's a supreme positive is the amount of ass-hurt control players where they're doing some kind of infinite combo or some shit, and all you have to do is hit F6, but they still have to do the entire damn thing to mill you out or you know, damage you. They want you to concede. They want you to concede. No, play your deck, man. I mean, that's a positive over paper magic. Hell no. That's your deck. Play that shit out you made the conscious decision to bring it in here knowing the way that mtgo works that's that's infinite positive for me what are some other things you don't like about mtgo john one of the things i don't like and this is a design thing and they can easily fix it is how fucking close the concede button is to other buttons when you right click and I cannot tell you the number of times that I have almost hit concede or like, you know, I had my finger on it and it was depressed. I had to move it off. And there's just some bonehead shit like that that pops up here and there, like with the menus and the design where you can really fuck yourself when you're playing a game. Really wish that they would, you know, kind of go through some of that and play test it with complete idiots like me so we don't make mistakes like that. All right. What are some negatives for you, Sid? Well, I didn't. I. I do want to touch on something that John was talking about in the chat feed. MTGO players are salty as fuck, dude. They're saltier than public hey, chicken. I think that like what happened to you with the concede button might have happened to a guy I was playing against called uh, Draco Lord something. I posted a picture of it on Facebook the other day and on Twitter. Dude was so salty because I think he conceded on accident. And he told me that the only honorable thing for me to do would be to scoop to him because I was just like pounding that ass in game two. I, I was just like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. 
because I just got you dead to rights. But yeah, I mean, you run into that shit all the time. Another thing is, like you were saying, I can't play a control deck on MTGO. And I like to play control decks sometimes. Like, I have a blue-black control deck that I like very much. But I cannot win with it because I can't play fast enough. Oh my god, Sid's a control player. All right, I'm, ahead, I'm not a control player. Like, <laughs> I just play all kinds of decks. Like, oh. if I think a deck looks sweet, I like to pick it up and play it. Well, Sid, so, like, but, one... Kind of following on what you were saying there is like uh, just my opinion here because I've played control decks on NTGO. There's a lot of things in the options that you can kind of customize for what type of deck you're playing, and I mean it's not easy to do. It's not easy to find them all the time, but you know you can make it easier on yourself if you want to play control. If you actually kind of get into it and see what's going to help you and hurt you as far as where the stops are and uh, what requires a uh, go no go from you as the player when you're doing stuff. So, I mean, it's doable, and there's ways you can make it easier. If you're dating a girl who plays Magic, uh, you can tell her mood by what type of deck she's playing at, at the time. She, if she's really pissed at you, she'll play a control deck. Or uh, if she's, like, kind of upset about the shoes or whatever, she'll play an aggro deck and just cause she wants to pound you in the head. And if she's horny, she's playing Dredge. Bow, 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 bow. Go indeed. That's a girl they're playing elves. Come on. All girls play elves. Nah, man, don't even say that because fucking Sandy Bell hates elves. You know she's all about the soldiers, bro. Okay, so another thing that totally sucks about MTGO, at least something that I'm having trouble with as a beginner, I've only been playing MTGO for about a month, is the like economy of MTGO. So I did something really stupid this week. I was on card hoarder. I get all my stuff through card hoarder hashtag not spawn, but hashtag give me money um, and magic cards. I had sold them a Liliana of the veil that I opened in a, in a straw draft and a Snapcaster mage. So I had some ticks. So I'm like, okay, well I'm going to buy some cards for standard that I need. I need a grim flares. Those guys are like ridiculous expensive. And of course I have my account settings to set up for PayPal. So when I went on the website, I forgot to switch my payment settings to ticks and I ended up spending cash that I did not want to spend on magic cards. And I still had these ticks, you know, and these ticks, you can't really sell them for too much. Like I think they pay you like 95 cents a tick and they sell them for like a dollar and two or a dollar and three or something like that. So like, it's kind of hard at first to like learn how to get your cards and to trade cards and stuff like that on there. They, they're going back through modern. And so they're printing, they're doing like a flashback draft of every modern legal set. And that kind of lowers the price of modern and lowers the price of some of these older, older formats. But standard is almost dollar for dollar. The same cost it is, is in paper. And that's, it's tough because, I know less packs are being opened. There's less supply. So, I mean, if, if everyone wants to play, you know, for Gideons or for whatever in their deck, they're going to have, you know, they're going to pay 30 bucks, 40 bucks, because that's going to be, you know, what demand expects. But I just, I hate, I wish it could be cheaper somewhat in that aspect as well. Well, even in paper, standard players, you know, if you're going to play standard, you don't want to do it for long. Most of the big competitive tournaments are standard, though. And uh, it, you have to be able to play the game and deal with oddball decks. And Standard is a really good place for that because you could have something you think is the best deck, but a sideboard card or something that you think other people aren't playing could help you out. 
But are we talking paper? Are we talking MTGO here? Because with MTGO, you have a thriving popper and vintage and legacy and modern community that you can play in the exact same EV tournaments as you do for standard decks, but pay less money. Yeah, but to build a modern deck, a lot of people don't have $1,000. Yeah, well, modern is probably the format that is the most cheaper on MTGO compared to paper. I mean, maybe there's a couple of legacy decks out there that are, you know, a couple hundred bucks cheaper on online instead of in paper, but modern is extraordinarily cheap. And when you play modern locally, you're playing against the same people with the same decks because they can only afford that deck or maybe another deck. But when you play online, the meta is always changing. So that's what I like about it. It's cheap enough where you could build red-green shamans and, and try that out. Saffron Olive, shout out. Yes, yeah, Saffron Olive, appreciate you listening. And I feel like since we're getting into the part now where we're talking shit on Paper Magic, we got to address the cheating, man. Like, motherfuckers be cheating all the time. We've all got a scumbag story of somebody cheating us. Uh, I'll tell you right now. Okay. I had Bloodline Keeper. This is when I very first started playing Paper Magic again. I had Bloodline Keeper. He's my pack one, pick one, and Vampires was way open. I had the sweetest fucking vampire deck in round one. I'm playing against Green White Humans. And when I go to activate Bloodline Keeper, he goes in response. I tap him. And my dumb ass didn't know how to play Magic yet. So I thought I wasn't able to be fucking making a shitload of vampires and whooping the shit out of this guy because he scummed me. And he knew that I didn't know what I was doing because I made that very clear when I first started playing again. I'm like, yeah, I used to play back in Portal. I kind of know how some stuff works, but I'm not very good at all because I forgot how the strategy of playing Magic works. I just remembered how the mechanics of like playing a land, how the turns went and stuff like that. But that was it when I first started back. And that shit will never happen on Magic Online. I agree. It's almost impossible for people to scumbag you online because the rules are automatic. Well, I'm just going to say that, um, you know, kind of what Sid was talking about a little bit earlier. When you're playing in person, you know, you're picking the venue that you can go to. And everybody knows there are stores that are softer and stores that are more hardcore. And when you go to a hardcore store with serious players, there's probably going to be less cheaters because they know they can't pull that shit. You know, if you're going to a place where they only run one FNM with, you know, barely eight people in it, that's where the cheaters are going to go because they know they can get away with it because nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about for magic. All these people that get on MTGO and talk shit, they're probably doing the same thing in real life. It's just that they're doing it at, you know, weak stores and they're just rolling people and then they actually play a decent opponent with a decent deck and they just get all fucking flustered. Nah, because at paper stores, like some places, you can't get salty like that. If you go up in the Star City Game Center and you start cussing, man, they'll warn you one time and then you'll be ejected from the store. If you go into the Star City store and you start cheating, they're probably going to hire you and put you on the pro tour. One thing, though, is you can get kicked out of a store for cussing somebody out, but there's a lot of trolling that happens on MTGO. You can't get kicked out of a match for trolling somebody, and that really affects some players. It might tilt some players. Some people use trolling as a strategy. Now, I love a good troll. Yes. <laughs> but online, it's, it's annoying, you know? I'd rather have it be funny or whimsical. Or like have a little bit of humor instead of just spitting hate at somebody. It's more, I don't know, ugly trollish. Dude, I used to like troll people at the card shop. And like, I would only do it to people that 
Like I knew wouldn't get super offended and not come back to the store. But, you know, I have my deck daddy. So I had access to like the most competitive standard decks and people would be coming in with their brew. And I would just be like, oh, I'm jumping you out. Look at this mythic rare. I'm, I'm, Dude, I'm blowing up all your fucking rares with this common. And now my mythic rares are kicking your ass. If you played mythic rares, you'd probably be kicking my ass. But you can't. Well, I'll say that I don't really encounter a lot of hate spewing trolls on MTGO. Like the kind of trolls I usually encounter are like, uh, you know, when you're playing modern or playing in a tournament and they're just like, you know, being like, turn one and you played an island, you're a freaking loser, your deck sucks. Or, you know, like when you do something that's like, you know, actually good that they didn't see coming and they just fully puts them on tilt and they list all the reasons why they shouldn't be losing to you. I mean, those are the guys I get. I usually don't get anybody who's just like, you know, being an ass. Well, there are a few people at the shop around here where, and pre-release is kind of a very casual deal. And there'll be like a kid who's like seven or eight and he's like, okay, well, I'll play this. He's like, no, no, you missed your trigger. Or you said, okay, and moved in. And it's like, man, this it's a little kid. Almost to the point where we're like yelling at them or we're drafting and like, don't set a second pile down. They're like yelling at the little kid. They won't come back and play at that shop again. You know, that ruins the culture. That ruins the, the shop. And uh, I'd rather be sitting next to a kid that's learning how to draft and I'm teaching him. And then like a year later, he, you know, I see him on the fucking pro tour. That's awesome. Hashtag Timmy kids. Hashtag under the wings. Hashtag little minions. I think that there should be age restrictions, though, on, like, for competitive events, not pre-release, but, like, um, anything that's, like, competitive REL. I feel like being able to let um, young children play and stuff like that, it's really taking the seriousness out. And, again, you're throwing your kids to the fucking sharks because your kids are not going to be thinking that they're getting cheated and people are going to cheat them. So you might as well be throwing your money away. Like, I think 12 or 13 should be, like, the required age. Yeah, and once again, you also got to pick your battles about where you're taking your kids to the shop. And I understand if you're a parent and you're playing and you want to play for fun, too, and you want your kids to play, I get that. But at the same time, I mean... Am I the only one that gets pissed when you're at F&M and you have to play the father-son handicap match? Like, that shit just gets on my nerves. Well, let me just blow y'all's mind. What if everyone that you've lost to on MTGO is really an eight-year-old with their dad behind them? Boom! There's no way because the fucking chess clock. Like, the chess clock prevents stuff like this from happening. And yes, that is another reason why paper sucks is because you can get timed out. Um, I have this story of a pre-release. A friend of mine's girlfriend was there, and her and I got paired against each other in the first round. And of course, it's pre-release. It's late. I was fucked up, um, obviously, because I get fucked up every pre-release. But, um, you know, she kept forgetting to draw cards, I guess, is what she told me. She had like a really good start. I was really scared. Like I managed to beat her in game one. And then in game two, she just slowed down to like uh, three minutes each turn. And I won that match 1-0. Have you ever won a match 1-0 before? Because I haven't since or ever again. Actually, some of the better players around this area are little kids. These three brothers called the Kiefer brothers that play magic down here, down in Denver. It's Lucas, Jack, and Quinn Kiefer. You see them on the SCG coverage. They travel around and they play on the circuits, but they're like... 
I really yeah. hope they're not listening to this show, though. They're like, oh, obviously. Well, if they are, they owe us some money. Yeah. But, you know, they're like ranges from like 15 to, to 10-ish, you know, and uh, they're all really good. The little brother might be younger than 10, but they've even topped eight some of the SCG events. It's crazy. That's cool as shit, man. Um, you know, when some kids are really good at magic, I remember there was this kid I used to play against, Thomas. I'm not sure what he's up to now, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was on the pro tour. Like, nobody in the entire school could beat him. Thomas is sitting at home in his mother's basement and working part-time at Chick-fil-A. You know that's where he's at right now. Hey, speaking of, have you ever seen, like, an unattractive person working at Chick-fil-A? No. I mean, they've got some serious game in who they're hiring. I mean, there are no ugly people at work at Chick-fil-A. That's the thing. I think it's that's part of their brand. They want hot chicks just tossing out fried chicken. But the thing is, they, they have a shelf life working there because they eat the fried chicken. So a chick can only work there for, like, a year or two. Then she becomes the fat manager who bosses all the hot chicks around. And then she has a heart attack. And so they don't really have to, like employ people for very long i don't agree <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't agree with all the chick-fil-a's policies um well the only thing i don't really agree on is their sauce policy they have so many sauces but only like two of them are good well i just want to go on the record just saying i completely agree with everything chick-fil-a does and stands for and hopefully they'll come and sponsor the podcast i would love free chicken are you kidding me just give me a tray of nuggets get up oh man oh <sighs> I hate it, but yes, I want to be sponsored by them too, but I do not agree with their corporate views, okay? And I'm just going to say that right now. Fucking this up for us. Come on. Fucking edit, edit that shit out. Come on. I on it. Damn I'm it, man. It. I, I'm We're just having trouble train. selling out, man. We're on the chicken train. Imagine the waffle fries, all right, Sid? Just shut your mouth. God. Yeah, imagine okay. like, they give you like a fucking card, and you can go in there with like the free Chick Fil A card and all the like, you know, Amber Crombie model chicks that they have working there are just like blown away by the fact that you can get all the free chicken you want. Hey you- guys, stop getting married and go to Chick Fil A and go see the hot girls. All right, would- can we have some chicken now, please? Would you like to be held accountable for everything you've said in your life, Sid? Hmm. And so, say you sell nope. a few sandwiches, then would you? That's all I'm saying. Yep, because I'm never going to run for president, so I could talk about grabbing pussy all the time. Grabbing by the pussy? Dude, Sid, I'm not going to ask you to run for president, but I do want you as my running mate. We're doing this. We're doing this. Sid and Tim. That's what the Patreon for. Patreon.com. We're going to run for something. Yeah, Um, visit our Patreon. So guys, we just set up our Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash magic and hash and uh we need some new reward tiers what do you guys think now sid has suggested for a three dollar donation per episode sid will send you some a dna sample Ooh la la. and for a two dollar donation i will send you one you can clone us and play magic with us just imagine whatever fluids you're gonna get Y'all are holding out. They give like five grand for the stuff down at the uh, clinic. This is for uh, the community, man. And science. Pube in the mail. On the way. And a dick pic. Just because. I want you to know where it's coming from. All I'm saying is... Also, for a $15 an episode donation, um, fans on the East Coast, if you're married to women, 
then I will come impregnate them so you can have my child in your house. It'll be like a little me. Who wouldn't want their own little swami? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and a $1 per episode donation. I will learn how to play a song on the flute, and I will play it for you on your message, your uh, answering voicemail thing. That's only a dollar. That's a fucking badass value. Why don't you remind people exactly what the flute is made of? The flute is made of wood, baby. Hard wood. There you go. Hey, I'll tell you what. I'm going to sweeten this deal for a $5 donation. Wingstop Kenny will come to your hometown and leave a secret hobo sign somewhere in the city. I would get out your hair like a wet shirt, pour a rainy day. I said, also, I ain't taking no cheese off your macaroni. She said, what do you mean by not taking no cheese off your macaroni? I said, well, guess what? I said, chicken wings and cornbread. I said, hell, I said, collard greens and Macaroni and cheese. Once a year, I ain't trying to get no cheese off your macaroni, but I damn sure will get out your hair like a wet shampoo on a motherfucking rainy day. Hello. And if you live in Colorado, a $35 donation to Patreon will get a guy named Carl to deliver a bag of weed to your door. Hey, you want to get high, man? This howdy duty got wooden balls, man. All right. Guys, I would like to talk about my underwear. Oh, God, no. Yeah, right. tell us about it. All right, where can they find you, John? Uh, you can find me on the Facebook, or as always, if you want to come on my property, I will be waiting and I will yell at you to get off my lawn. And, oh, great gracious masters, Sid Swami, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on the Cast from Exile Facebook group, as well as the podcast Cast from Exile that will come out as soon as Birthing Pod is taken off of the. A modern band list. Boom. Ooh. Bam. Oh, bop. Bada bop. Boom. Pow. Um, and then we'll record an episode, and you can listen to that. Or you could go watch me play some magic with Timmy over on uh, twitch.tv slash magic and hash and also magic and hash SoundCloud and MTG cast and all of the things that you probably already know about, but also Twitter at the Sid Meister, uh, I tweet about stuff and on YouTube at Mr. Mr. Meister. John, I'm going to get you a couple lawn gnomes or some flamingos for your lawn. So anybody who comes to visit you at your website, so to speak, will have something to look at. Tell you what, we'll put up a pink flamingo that has got a flashlight inside of it, so you'll have an incentive to hang around for a minute while I get my gun. (laughs) All right, you can find me at Mogus on MTGO, magic underscore Timmy on Twitter, Magic and hash at gmail.com for all your inquiries. And if you live in Roanoke, Virginia, Sid is looking for a deck daddy. Thanks for getting blitz with us. Peace out. Sid, you might get a deck daddy out of this. Maybe. That'd be cool. I, I, I be on it all day. Let my nigga big boy say it. That's the only thing that keep me level up in my crazy ass. Don't know the run. No fun if not. It's getting from the email red. Man, I swear to keep it one under. If I have it and I'll be there. My soul been fed I choose, still give a great goose Converse cover with me, sweet juice And all my niggas rolling up in the bro group Got me on another one Someone please roll me another one They tell me y'all get through my sin But those motherfuckers ain't have this friend I can't Pretty green, but Make a lot of blood, 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 blood.